Hi, my name is Ben and welcome to Field and Foley episode 9. I am excited to welcome to the show the multi-talented Aaron Amo Travers, who has made a name of himself in the world of audio across various fields. From interactive audio and implementation to specialized field recording in Foley, Aaron has an impressive set of skills that extended beyond traditional sound design. He works on films, commercials, video games, animations, documentaries and art projects, showcasing his versatility and adaptability in the industry. Aaron's notable work includes the sound design for the video game Somerville from Jumpship and mixing one of the trailers for the highly anticipated video game Cyberpunk 2077. So yeah, Aaron, welcome and thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Hey, hey Ben, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so yeah, we first met working together on the uh, mod Skywind, which for people who doesn't know is like a massive mod for Skyrim, recreating the world of Morrowind and has been going on for, I think, about nine or ten years now, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, how did you come to working for the mod? Was it just like your love for Morrowind or did you look for a project to experiment on or, or get some experience? Um, so I was fresh out of film school and it was uh, Vancouver Film School. And um, I remember I was like just looking for something to work on that would like put all my skills to use. And... Um, Yeah, it was like it was it was really hard to actually find like a junior position at that time. So I just remember messaging as many things as I could. <laughs> And uh yeah, big fan of Morrowind. So I thought, hey, th this actually looks like something that um that I could thoroughly enjoy. And I remember I messaged uh, the team and uh I think you you uh, accepted me immediately. So that was <laughs> that was quite flattering. <laughs> so um yeah, and like it was such a dream to work on that. So, um, yeah, I was, I was really glad you accepted me onto the team and, um, and yeah, it was an overall great experience, great way to get my, my feet wet and, um, and yeah, like just great place to start. Like I, I encourage anyone that is starting out to kind of like look for mods, look for anything like that if they can't actually score a job in a studio. Yeah. Yeah, I can also test that. And um, yeah, just saying your your application was, was pretty great. Um, essentially, uh, fortunately for us, the, the I would say few sound designers that applied to, to Skywind, most of them were pretty amazing. Like the one or two people who you could see they were interested in the craft mm -hmm. and started just out but didn't have like a, any education in it or, or great experience. So it was a lot of like... <laughs> way too low volume or very noisy recordings and stuff like that so that's something unfortunately that makes more work than than it uh, yeah helps the project mm -hmm. but yours was was great and um, yeah I was uh, I loved working with you so <laughs> thank you um very very happy to to hear that um that you also enjoyed it um mm -hmm. yeah also for me that that was my first like big thing and I started just doing sounds and then uh, at some point the <laughs> the team lead for the sound design team uh, had other obligations so I stepped up And it, it's, yeah, it was really a great experience to have also like a, a big team and trying to manage all the tasks and trying to motivate people into like progressing and um, yeah, lots of fun. And of course, also love for Morrowind. So yeah, absolutely. I, I remember thinking you were doing a really good job, actually. Like I remember you, you kept on 
asking us, you know, how everything was going and if we could do stuff. And, and, and I remember, you know, to have like that kind of lead at the beginning was, was really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, now we are just flattering ourselves now. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's nice, but um, I mean it. Though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. As I said, I, I learned a lot, and it's uh, it's really great to have that kind of back and forth, and also um, your feedback of that. It's uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I still I still do some sounds for for Skyrim now, but I, I've since then stopped with the lead positions because yeah, I too have other jobs in the sound industry, so. Mm-hmm no more time for that kind of commitment. It was really a lot of time that got into that. Um, yeah, and I remember we, we talked a bit about um, yeah what, what we're doing on the side or something, uh, what we're doing next, and you're mentioning um, mixing a trailer for a project that you're excited about and you couldn't tell anything. <laughs> yeah. And then when it finally released, it was the Cyberpunk trailer and I was just blown away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my first question would be, how did you get this job? Because, I mean, it's a prestigious project. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I had like a, a very good friend that was working at CD Projekt at the time. And um, he, he just thought I was, I'd be the right person for the job. I mean, it sounds, it sounds a, bit, a bit crazy when I think about it. But uh, we'd been friends for many, many years. Um, he, uh, his name's Piotr Malinowski. And um, he, he kind of like helped me out right at the beginning when I had absolutely no experience at all. So we, we kind of met playing Counter-Strike, of all things. And, uh, yeah, we used to just like play it all the time and all this stuff. Like, and it just got to a point where he was like, Hey, you know, I, I work at CD project and all this stuff. And, and at the time I was really interested in audio, but I didn't really know anything. So, so I was kind of like, you know, how about you kind of show me stuff, you know, like get me started on this journey and like, let's see where it can end up. And, um, yeah, we just went back and forth, did a ton of stuff. I ended up going to Vancouver. And I remember we were just like chatting about sound, kind of like what we're doing now. And I remember just showing, showing him how I was mixing stuff. And he was blown away. He, he thought like, you know, we'd been taught really well. And uh, I think he just felt really confident that I'd be able to do it at the time. And, and I remember we were having these back and forth conversations about how it was just very hard to kind of break in at the beginning, you know, like how, how to get that first job that's going gonna, that's gonna to really help you out. And I guess like he gave me a chance. So I'm like, I've been eternally grateful for that. And I can, I can confidently say that, I mean, since I mixed that, um, it's been completely different <laughs> on that end. So yeah, really, really grateful for that opportunity. And it was a massive, massive opportunity for myself, massive moment to learn as well. And, um, and yeah, like re- really fun. One of the, one of the most fun I've had on a project. That's that's amazing. Um, that's really like a lucky a lucky break. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, also for that job, um, I read on your web page um, you do you are re-recording mixer, and mm-hmm. um, we have so many terms in the industry. So maybe you could quickly explain to people that aren't well versed in the sound world what exactly is a re-recording mixer. Hmm. So, from what I understand, re-recording mixer would be like the American way of saying the mixer, right? So you, in, in Europe, UK, you have a, a dubbing mixer. So essentially I was just grabbing all of the sound design, all the stuff that the sound designers had made for the trader and just making sure it would sound great. Um, for that job specifically, the trailer was, it was like a, a, a worldwide campaign. So mm-hmm. it was meant to go to the cinemas, to theaters, 
to on the internet and television. And um, I ended up doing the localization for that as well. So I had to do, I had to essentially mix all of the traders for every single country. So we had like China, we had Latin America versions. We had like, we had, I mean, we just had so many versions. It was ridiculous. Hmm, yeah. And um, I mean, my job in that essentially was to make sure that it would play back correctly in all of those different spaces because they all had um, different specs, different specifications. Oh, okay. So, you know, it was, it was just so many versions in the end. Uh, <laughs> so many versions and um and yeah just like every every format just sounds completely different so i remember i had to i had to mix everything test it on like i was testing it on my television in my living room and and like testing it on my phone and like all the different versions and um yeah it was a lot of work like a lot a lot of work yeah i can imagine i mean if i tell people yeah there's there's people that are doing like trailer mixing uh -huh. for a job and they're like okay, so this takes like half an hour or something. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, not exactly. And then we go over like different specs and then you tell them like, uh, why why do you, do you think it sounds better on your phone um, uh, or, or worse when, when something is mixed bad and yeah, mm. all those kinds of different yeah, specs are, <laughs> I mean, you can be a nightmare. You would be yeah. able to do it quickly. And like, I mean, I, I guess all the pros out there, like the people that have a lot more experience than me could do it a lot faster. Um, mm. But I remember I just felt like this, let's say like pressure, but in a good way to, mm -hmm. to deliver. Like, I, I just felt like when I'm mixing, I feel like I have like the responsibility of making sure that everyone's work sounds the best it can be. So like, you mm -hmm. know, I, maybe the sound design is poured two weeks into that trader. Maybe, you know, like yeah. they, they, they put in all this effort and then like, I'll be the final way as to make sure it sounds good or not. So mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember just thinking, hey, this is like a very big opportunity for me. And I want to like, you know, take it as a moment to just try a bunch of stuff, make sure that I'm very confident in what I'm delivering. And um, and yeah, that was it. But I think if I had to do it right now, I'd probably mix it much quicker. Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, if you have your your already your experience with the different systems mm -hmm. and maybe your presets and your your ideas yeah yeah, yeah. but still um yeah, as you said um, especially when it comes to like many different localizations then uh, it gets <laughs> rather complex probably yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah and that brings me to my my next point um because real recording mixer doesn't have to do anything with recording which is interesting mm -hmm. um because i i didn't ha uh, heard the term before i I looked up the definition and I, yeah, just what you said, I found out for me it was just like, okay, it's it's essentially mixing and mastering for something. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, very interesting that you have so many different terms also of so many different localities. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, going into the topic of uh, recording stuff and um, I'm, I'm sure you see this question coming, but um, <laughs> why did you record your first sound and what was it? And <laughs> I ask this question every guest because it's all about the recording and the love for recording here. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, when I when I first started out, um, I remember I'd, I'd come from like I, I'd been dabbling in Ableton for quite some time, and I was like very influenced by um, David Lynch and Alan Split, uh, their work on Eraserhead specifically, mm. and um, I remember I was working like I was just working on this film, and uh, I thought, hey, I I want to do something just you know completely insane <laughs> kind of like what these <laughs> what these two guys are doing and um the first thing we actually recorded was i bought these these black metal vinyls that i found and i was 
into the idea of reamping, playing them backwards. So like we, we, we essentially took these speakers into a massive room and we manually reversed the vinyls backwards, you know, mm-hmm. and we were reamping it into the room. And then I was like playing the recordings back through the sound system over and over again to try and make like some kind of drone like textures. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like right from the get go for me, sound design was like sound design and specifically field recording was about that kind of approach where I was mostly like looking for textures of, you know, just things that I could later on use to sound design more, more so than specifically recording maybe like the authenticity of a location. Mm, so, okay. I mean, I, I've, I've done a bit of both, um, but usually, yeah, what, what like really, really gets me excited is that most of the stuff I've recorded has been, has been just like trying to play around with things. Uh, reamping is always fun. Um, and yeah, just, just trying to get crazy things, dragging mics, microphones on the ground, um, using objects in, in weird ways. And yeah, it's always fun. So for, <laughs> right from the get go, it was just trying something weird. And I, th- I think on the same day, we also stuck some recorders into, into fridges or refrigerators to try and use that for drones as well. That's interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the start. <laughs> That's that's yeah. That's a very interesting first start into recording. Um, mm-hmm. a very artsy and uh, creative exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also like gives me the idea to do the same kind of thing, <laughs> of using. Oh, I mean, the basic idea of using a turntable and manually um, winding it backwards because not just playing it backwards, but manually. So the the speed is a bit varied. Uh-huh. Making a drone. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna steal that idea. Yeah. Sorry. We, no, no problem. <laughs> no, but we sh- we always share. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sound, sound people always share. Like, like I hope I I hope in the end with all these kind of things, I just inspire others to do things like that, right? So yeah, we yeah. we had like control over yeah you know, over speed, so we could do like whooshes and and we could drag things out yeah. things out faster and slower, and uh, it was it was more about like performing than yeah than anything. Yeah. Yeah, that is also a point for me, and I also um, also other guests on the show already uh, told me that when they are recording something, it's um, oftentimes about um, you look for something in the library, mm-hmm. and if you're trying to find the exact same thing and the exact performance you need, it's it's quicker if you just use a microphone and record it mm-hmm. like you want to perform it, and that also gives it like the yeah your kind of. Uh, personal note on your work because it's your performance and your way of recording it your choice of microphone your choice of location whatever um that makes your sounds a bit more special so mm-hmm. um yeah absolutely up my alley that yeah that, that, that's been something i realized since um like nowadays i'm working much more in game audio so i'm specifically with a jump ship mm-hmm. and uh, that that's what i do full-time now and since since uh, working on summerville with them um, I got into this mentality where game audio just has it, it has like a lot more requirements when it comes to recordings than anything else I've tackled. So, you know, find like one I, I find myself like looking through libraries and I'll find like, you know, one one sound that sounds really nice. Mm. But then I'm like, oh, I, I kind of need to f- make like 50, like a whole sound <laughs> set out of this, yeah. you know, like it's not just the variations. It'll be like maybe it's a monster and like the monster mm. has to yeah. attack, run get hurt, you know, like all these different things. And maybe I have like just this one interesting recording of like some squishy thing. Right. So then like everything now is just about like building palettes of these textures. So it's, it's like about getting 
some squishy stuff that is that has yeah like some quick whooshy type movement some some slow stuff some fast stuff and that like really really helps down the line when when you're creating uh whole sound sets yeah absolutely and uh, also i would find it or imagine it to be very hard to find the exact same sound because what kind of keywords would you use um, you, you're <laughs> yeah you just described it like it was a squishy and whooshy sound and that's are some terms but if you like search in a massive library even if it's like many many terabytes for squishy whoosh sounds mm -hmm. then pff, yeah finding that exact texture and that exact style you want is probably impossible so yeah yeah it it, it just <laughs> yeah. didn't work for me like uh just looking for stuff was i mean it just a chore in itself you, you'd probably just spend so much time looking that um that in the end yeah i mean usually like i usually wouldn't have time to go out and record a whole sound set of stuff so mm -hmm. It's like, I think it's good practice to kind of try and build those beforehand. So if, if, if your project actually allows for that, yeah, then, you know, like maybe, you know, you're going to need a, a ton of impacts. Maybe you're going to need like, you know, to design 50 things with metal impacts, then plan ahead and <laughs> try and get as many as you can before. Yeah, and also maybe if you already have some some concept art or something, mm -hmm. um, and this uh, like the the sound designers on Duke, um, Dune uh, already also had in their behind the scenes they were given like the freedom of going in very early while the script was written and they had already in mind what they wanted to do and had the time to record in the desert and then record like stuff for the worm and stuff like mm -hmm. that and figure out how it should sound even before the film was really in production and also during production. What was really interesting to me that. Um, Especially for the the warm sound, they had the sound of the worm first, and then they gave the sound to the animator, and they animated the worm emitting that sound. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is something that I also told Mark, which I really would love to have more in game audio because I think that it it doesn't essentially mean you need more time for the sound designer. Mm -hmm. It, in my opinion, it means you have a better quality and you have a better connection to the other art departments and can work more closely to to create something together but um yeah hopefully hopefully we we have some uh, all our gigs will have that time that's yeah. that, that's what i wish i mean i feel like that that's a, a conversation that like just every every industry should be moving towards that and it's it's usually mm -hmm. just a dream to get some extra time at the beginning to experiment um i think yeah I, I learned that from mark as well like he he mentioned that you know just having the the opportunity to just try abstraction beforehand will just give mm -hmm. you a whole palette of sounds that then you know you can you, you can make your ambiences so much richer if you if you have like a ton of sounds to build <laughs> your soundscape beforehand so yeah i i really hope that that's like a kind of shift that will be happening right where sound isn't really the afterthought it it comes in much before you know it comes in at the inception level and whenever that's happened on anything that i've worked on it's it, those have been the best projects you know, where it's like, how, how can we, how can we actually use sound to make this better instead of just like, you know, here's all this stuff that we've been working on, please add some sound to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting there after the fact and essentially just making sounds for animations that are already done is, yeah, it's very limiting and yeah, could also, yeah, could, could I, I think it can never produce the the best result you can have mm -hmm. if you have just like the, the finished project in, in, in front of you. And um, yeah, um, also on the topic on recording, you you mentioned you recently returned from a recording trip in South Africa. So of course I want to hear about that. So <laughs> yeah. how did you come to this gig and, and what was it? Um, what, what was your job there? So, I mean, 
unfortunately, well, I mean, I moved to I moved to South Africa mostly thanks to remote work. Um, so I mean, as I as I'm at Jumpship, I just I I have the the. <laughs> The blessing of being able to work remote. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, I want to spend the winter somewhere that's warm. <laughs> and I ended up going there for a month. Um, and in the end, I wasn't able to take my my recording kit with me because I had... Oh, no. So Yeah, it was a bit tragic, but I just had so much kit to take with me to be able to actually work there. Like, because I had to set up an office there. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just had so much stuff with me that I thought, hey, I, I'm not going to be able to take like... Uh, my mix pre, all of my microphones, like all of my my uh, windshields, like, and South Africa is just notorious for its wind. So I'm kind of glad that I, I, I mean, I don't even have any equipment that would be able to withstand that type of wind. Oh, okay. So I, I kind of got warned beforehand. It was like, you know, it would be very, very hard to record. So in the end, I mean, I spent most of my time there editing stuff that I already recorded in Europe. I just got the perks of being someone that was very warm <laughs> as opposed to uh, spending the winter in in Europe. So that, that was very nice. But yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it would have been nice to record something. Um, and the lesson learned for me is to try and scale down my kit because, mm -hmm. you know, maybe with these new recorders, you know, like the F3, stuff like that. Like if I would have just had like a pocket kit and I would have had like just a small mic, I could have at least not been limited by the fact that I needed, do you know what I mean, to take so much kit with me. Yeah. So that that's like definitely a lesson that I've <laughs> that I've been thinking about, and it's definitely going to affect how I prepare for future trips. Yeah, yeah, I can attest to that. I'm I'm trying to to limit myself always to my one backpack um, for the main gear, which uh, holds my recorder, which is now um, for now at least uh, a Zoom uh, handheld one. Mm -hmm. But I want to uh, want to invest in a bigger one because I already like 3D printed a case for a battery because I mm. hate changing batteries. So now I have like a like a rechargeable thing on there and it's a bit clunky. But yeah, essentially my backpack has the recorder, uh, headphones, always contact and underwater microphones because I always <laughs> yeah, have a use for them. I dig it. Um, and and then I bring like specialized microphones when I need them. So boom pole and a shotgun mic when I know I need something like mono stuff um, or like I, I like to use the Lom Uzi Pros um, as a stereo recording for ambience because I, I really like the, the sound of them for ambience recordings. Mm -hmm. And th those are also really small. So I essentially, in most of the cases, I can put everything on my back and can also climb mountains or stuff like that. So that's my goal and yeah, can recommend it. But then you always have, of course, those things where you need to bring a pole and yeah. maybe uh, yeah, maybe something else, uh, specialized microphones or you don't know exactly. So you bring like five because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better test everything because you get one chance to record something. But yeah, yeah, scaling the down is, um, is hard. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> definitely been like a, a lesson for me because, you know, like all my, all my recent... Uh, field recording trips have been like you know I've I've taken three different microphones, uh, tripods, like you know all, all this massive gear, and then I kind of get to the location. And I'm like, okay, now I need to move, you know, like a hundred meters away, and I'm alone. And I don't yeah. have an assistant or whatever, <laughs> and, and it's <laughs> yeah. just like it's so inconvenient to have like all these mics, and then I mean, unless you're doing like something just very professional, I know you're recording guns in a desert or something, then sure. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I've just found that. I, I like traveling really, really light when I'm when I'm out on the field, and and it's just like that's that's something I'm I'm trying to adapt to now. Or I just I'd rather just have one very good mic, 
that is multi-purpose and have like a small rig that's ready to go. That, that's what I'm yeah. currently working up to. Absolutely. This, that is also my goal. I want to um, like get another one for the Amens recordings, which are even a bit of better quality, and just take those and have like one for mono sounds, like one shotgun mic and one for ambience, and then I'll take that everywhere. And of course, as I said, always the contact mics. Don't forget the contact mics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, it's it's so much fun. And also, if it's noisy, then you at least can like put the contact mic somewhere and you get something nice out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe also um, on your trips, do you have Something um, that you bring on every trip that might not be obvious? On a, on a field recording trip? Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I recently started, <laughs> started uh, taking uh, noise-canceling headphones, which is usually, I mean, to me, it, it just seemed like, uh, like a, quite a weird choice. But um, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I just find like it really helps me isolate the exact sounds I'm looking for. So... Um, if you're someone that struggles to actually hear stuff outside, especially if it's like windy, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on. I actually recommend that. Um, it's definitely helped my sounds, but yeah, I think like usually when I go out, it's, it's a pretty standard kit. I usually just have a backpack. I always carry water. If I, if I'm like somewhere in a forest, (laughs) you know, I don't want to get lost with no water. Um, but it's just usually like, I just try and travel as light as possible, but like I, I try and travel well prepared. Um, I think on my my recent trip was to a forest where I was recording a lot of stuff with foliage and trees, a lot of impact stuff. And um, what saved me there was taking a gardening glove. <laughs> because Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of went there. I just thought like, you know, what if I'm trying to grab some stuff that, that could, you know, potentially be harmful? And... Yeah, I remember like when I got there, there was all these tree trunks that had fallen down and like, you know, it was it was great to actually have something that I could just wear on my hands that that made me, you know, not not afraid of getting harmed because then I had like full like a, a space to be fully creative without having to worry about those things. So, um, yeah, the, the glove was was a very good, <laughs> very good thing. That's a great tip. Um I'm going to pack that in my kit like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's very good because I've never thought of that and I've, I've scratched myself <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. Like I remember I was recording these vines that were snapping, right? So I was like mm. grabbing these big bushes that were, that were made out of vines. And I thought I'd just never be able to record this if I didn't have this glove. Yeah. Because my hand would slide on them. And I mean, it was, it was, it was just, yeah, really clutch thing that <laughs> to pack. Yeah, that's a very good tip. And also the, the noise cancelling headphones is also nice because I've never thought about using them and I always, like, when I tell people uh, always, when I go out, yeah, I record stuff and then at home I try to listen if I got everything because you, you can't hear it like exactly like there is in the microphone because you have the surrounding noise and I don't really like to use in-ears for when I'm uh, on the road because when I have them in my ears all the time, it's it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And over ears, very clum- clumsy ones that are very, very close. That's also normally not my choice, but I think noise cancelling, active noise cancelling ones would be an interesting idea to try out. So. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. an oddball choice. I don't think I've... Yeah, like, it's, whenever- it's odd, but it's it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, whenever I've, you know, maybe I've been like on a Facebook group and someone's asking for like headphones to, you know, go and record with. I, like, I don't think I've ever seen a single person recommend noise cancelling. It's always yeah. like some Sennheisers or like, you know, just some closed, closed pair and mm-hmm. I mean, I personally, I can't stand closed. So like usually when I'm, uh, 
when I sometimes even when I'm mixing, I'm just using a pair of Bear Dynamics, um, and they're open. So that's kind of what I'm used yeah. to. I, I love them. I've been using them for, you know, right from the beginning. Yeah, same here. So I'm very used to them. Yeah, and I I love them. So, but the thing is, like out in the field, like open, is just not good. I just really can't hear anything that's going on. Yeah. So um, I use a pair of um, I wouldn't even know the model. It's like a it's like a pair of headphones that I picked up at the airport. Um. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, but just not in-ear. It's just like a, you know, closed closed headphones. And, um, yeah, great for isolating sounds. Like, really good. And then I just yeah. get home and check everything on my setup. I check it on speakers and with my monitors and with my beta dynamics, and I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Also get some, yeah, get cheap ones and not like the really expensive noise-canceling gears because when you're out in the field, you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but that's yeah, that's a good choice. Um, let me give you um, my odd choices. Maybe it's also something to inspire mm -hmm. you. So yeah. what I always carry is um, electrical tape. It's this this black like oh, yeah. uh, roll of tape, yeah, yeah. which you can easily um, yeah tape to anything, but also uh, get off anything um, because of the contact mics. Because uh, I found that I can tape it to essentially anywhere. I taped it to a tree once with those <laughs> okay. tapes. And you can also get them off again without like hurting the tree, which is really nice. So um, yeah, it it holds for I would say like maybe 30 minutes or an hour uh, for sure, and um, it doesn't have to last very long because you're always taking them off again. So that's that's a really great thing to have, and also a piece of string, and yeah, of course like a little little knife or something to cut this, um, because. Uh, I've also used like microphones and dangling them somewhere um, with an extra piece of string because mm -hmm. I was afraid that maybe the cable would uh, disconnect and <laughs> they would fall somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also hang up gear somewhere, uh, like really high up, which is amazing. Um, get some nice perspectives. Mm. So yeah. those are my two odd choices. Yeah, I've never <laughs> thought of that, but that's that's actually really good advice. I mean, like, yeah, anything handy that is going to allow you to like tape things or like, yeah, suspend stuff it just yeah. sounds like a good idea. So <laughs> Yeah, and also it doesn't take much space. It's like yeah. the size of half your hand or something. Yeah, yeah. So those two items, very, very handy to have. Cool. Um, maybe also when we are on the topic of tips, um, mm -hmm. what what did you learn from your field trips? I mean, now we, we were talking about, yeah, okay, trying to get your gear down. Mm -hmm. Um, to, a, to a manageable size so you're more mobile essentially we don't have assistance most of the time so that's that's of course a plus but do you have anything else maybe something where you're like okay I thought this microphone would be the best one to bring but I, I never use it or I wouldn't have thought about using that kind of technique or something hmm. any other tips you can you comes to mind um, so yeah th I mean this is something that I've been thinking about on my recent trips and like I think it would like some maybe valuable things would be for maybe like people starting out just like maybe some general tips and that most of them have to do with things like being patient and just like assuming that things will go wrong and being patient with with those things right like i i feel like mm -hmm. i feel like field recording is a game of being well prepared so you, you you know you you pick all your kit you make sure you're traveling light you go out in the field and and you plan what you what you want to record mo most of the time. I mean, I, th I think it's a good practice, right? Like, so I usually take a list with me of the things that I'm intending to get, mm -hmm. and then you know I always allow some time for like some oddball stuff while I'm there. But then, so you know, you've you've packed all your stuff, you've you've prepared, you've planned everything, and then you know maybe it starts raining, 
and you didn't account for it. Or on one of my latest trips, I remember I'd, I'd driven, I drove really far away <laughs> to for a whole recording session. I was going to be there a whole weekend. And when I got there, it was just so ridiculously windy that it kind of ruined everything. You know, like I, I didn't <laughs> check the wind yeah. forecast and, and here I am like stuck four hours away with all my kid and everything and and i was there to record like some some rock impacts and some you know more trees and stuff mm-hmm. and there was this massive storm going on um and and i remember just thinking like okay this could go two ways right i could get massively frustrated <laughs> or i could you know just assume that everything went wrong and try and try and try and make the most of it so i remember turning that trip into just a whole other field recording trip and it was getting a ton of wind uh luckily i'd prepared and i'd taken all like different types of mics so i i was able to record some ambiences and we had a ton of like wind from interiors and mm-hmm. and um yeah oddball microphones inside of chimneys getting like wind from outside and you know just like nice, having nice. the flexibility of just like <laughs> turning things on its head if, if if stuff goes wrong and um i think the patience one is is key as well because most of the time, like, you know, you're going to be alone field recording. And I feel like I need to be in a good headspace, you know? Like, if, it, if it's just me on my own, like, as soon as, as soon as things go sour, then it's it's probably not good because you're stuck out there on your own, right? So, yeah. on that trip, I remember I'd... So, yeah, with these noise-canceling headphones, I remember I'd parked my car and I'd grabbed all of my kit. So, this is, like, with the tripods and everything. And I went down this <laughs> this massive hill to try and look for this uh, this good spot to record. And I, I I mean, I walked for ages, right? And as soon as I got all the way down there, I set up my microphones, I go to turn on my headphones and I'd left the battery for my headphones in my car. <laughs> and I thought, oh man, like, you know what I mean? It was one of those feelings where it's yeah. just like, I'm an idiot, man. And like, <laughs> yeah. and now I have to walk all the way back up this hill. Yeah, just for the batteries. With all this kit, yeah, with all this kit. And I remember going all the way back up this hill, grabbing my battery and I was like, no problem. Let's go back down. Did the trip again, went all the way back down. And I was like on this, what was supposed to be this remote isolated location. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got down there, these two farmers had pulled out their, these, these massive, um, <laughs> like these, <laughs> these massive machines and were making a ton of noise. So I was like, well, now that I'm yeah. here with my, with my headphones that work, I can't even record anything I want anyways. So, and, and I just, I, I remember just laughing it off and just thinking like, you know, I could, this could just, ruin my whole day or or whatever and i remember yeah just going back inside and making all those other recordings of interiors with wind and stuff and and that session turned out really good actually i've, I've been editing that today mm-hmm. and there was some really interesting stuff that i guess maybe never would have happened if i would have uh got like out of patience or just annoyed with that yeah <laughs> Absolutely, I have a I have a similar story that instantly comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was on vacation with my family um, to the to the sea to the ocean, mm-hmm. and uh, I brought my gear with me, um, just like a, a small part of my gear. And I thought to myself, um, yeah, if I'm at the ocean again, because I'm not often at the ocean, um, I will definitely use that and record some wave sounds because we need them anyway for skywind, and then I can capture some nice. Uh, mono sounds of waves and also some ambiences um, will probably be useful for later games. So <clears throat> it was a very touristy spot. So uh, of course during the day, no chance of it happening. So I set my timer to 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. and woke up in the middle of the night 
it was like the, the last day of our, our vacation. And I was really excited about like just having time for myself and with myself and with the sound. And went down to the beach and there was a very, very loud noise. And I saw that they had diesel-powered massive trucks oh, combing the beach of all the trash, which was nice. They were cleaning up every night, uh -huh. but I had no idea. I hadn't asked before. I hadn't seen this anywhere because no tourists noticed them at 3 a.m. In, in the night. Mm -hmm. But they were actually like for, I think, one and a half hours <laughs> just cleaning out the beach with massive, massive noise. And yeah. As I, yeah, just as you said, I, I just had to laugh because it was such a perfect coincidence. And I uh, took out my contact mics and um, used them on the pier and some stuff like that. And also, of course, recorded the machinery, which also machinery plus waves. You never know when that comes in handy. Yeah, yeah. But um, essentially, I was, I was very, very, very um, eager to stay until they were finished and hoping to get some some kind of time in before the tourists start coming in. Mm -hmm. So they were finished and I set up my gear and then the photographers came that wanted to <laughs> photograph the sunrise uh -huh. and started walking up to me and asking me questions. And I was like, yes, I, I really like to talk about my sound stuff, but I've been here for three hours now and I just want to record in peace. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they were really nice, uh, fortunately, and they, um, yeah, we... May, each took a spot and I took a different spot so I, I got some really nice material out of it in the end but it took like overall it took like I think five hours when I <laughs> yeah. planned to do like max an hour in the morning and then have a nice breakfast but yeah as you said the, the positive outlook and just yeah just laugh it off and, and try to find something that works is, is always great and actually yeah the I'm I'm still not finished editing them up, but they will be in Skywind, so mm, nice. um, it's cool. So nice. <laughs> it's cool to have that kind of story. Very very um, much effort for such a small sound. Like it's just for single wave sounds for Skywind, so mm. probably people w won't even notice them. It's just for one-off animations. But yeah, I mean, whatever. I have a ton of material from this from this recording, so it's fine. But yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. I mean that's. Yeah, all these stories are similar. And I think this ties into how yeah, like you even even with all of this stuff, you still need to understand that field recording has that element of luck, right? So Yeah. You could have been there and maybe those photographers didn't turn up and that would have been, you know, that would have been your lucky day. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they turn up and you're just so unlucky that they won't go away. <laughs> right? So Yeah. You know, there's there's all these elements at play where even if you prepare, even if you're patient, so and so, you still need it to go your way. You still need to be lucky. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. And I, I, I bet those recordings sound great, man. I <laughs> have to see them. <laughs> I hope yeah. so, yeah. No, I, I, I really like them. I can send you some. Um, Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, they really turned out nice and, and they had like a, a very specific kind of wave type that I wanted. And um, But as you said, yeah, sometimes everything, even if you prepare, it goes wrong. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I think it's a, it's a general life lesson, but um, that you can also like take back from the field recording back to other areas in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you can learn to to laugh in this situation, then your life will be a lot, a lot easier and more fun. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I feel. I mean, sound design is. I mean, for me at least, sound design is like being a kid, right? Yeah. And like being a kid and playing with things. So if it's not fun, then like, why are you doing it, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you, everyone has their reasons, but to me, it's. Mostly, like, you know, I, I get paid to have fun. Absolutely. So it's like a big bonus. And uh, yeah, it's it's like the main factor. It just has to be fun. <laughs> and sometimes we even get paid to make whoosh sounds with our mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the one sound you need at that moment. I've, I've done that. I've done that. For a, for a previous game, 
uh, I did a ton of stuff with my mouth, and it was great. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, me too. For Call of the Ragnar, actually, the the sound when you put something in the inventory is me going, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's in there, and it's I mean, I mean, I process it a little bit, but not much, mm. and I can hear myself in it every time, and other people can't. So if they don't know it, it's it's a nice Easter egg I yeah. hid in there. So it's the, the the magic of sound design, like what you were saying earlier. Maybe people won't even realize the amount of effort that went into those recordings in Skywind, right? But then they, yeah. on the flip side, they don't know when you used your mouth for something and. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it's like both sides of the story yeah. and uh, i've been taught as long as it sounds good then that's it you know like who, who cares how you got it absolutely. maybe it took you five seconds or five hours like as long as the final thing sounds good then then it's good absolutely it could be could be recorded on your phone uh, if it was the perfect thing and sometimes you even need like something on a shitty recording um i, I just talked about that with my last guest um, who said uh, katarina bear she said she has a lot of shitty recordings at home from from bands <laughs> that practices so she practiced recording and the bands practice playing mm. so she has shitty recordings of shitty bands and i said someday you're gonna need that yeah. you're, you're gonna have a scene with some exactly that and it's hard to get that mm. then because yeah finding like trying to find then a band that's not good enough and telling them I need to record you because you're not good enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So. I, I actually recorded something similar for um, uh, a crowdsource that I think I did it a few oh, years nice. ago. So actually, yeah, big shout out to the field recording Slack because Absolutely. They, they made uh, me up my game so much since I started taking place, like taking part in those crowdsources. And I remember we were doing like an offstage crowdsource and... Um, you know, I thought, hey, what can I contribute to this? And I had I had a drum kit in my house and I had all these amps and guitars and stuff. So I, I recorded myself just playing <laughs> really, really, really badly. So like stuff that like if you had that neighbor from hell <laughs> that was just like blasting a drum kit out of time and like, awesome, you know, like that kind of stuff. So I, I recorded a ton of things for that. And uh, it, with the same with the same uh, thought, it was like, you know, those kind of recordings are probably hard to find. Mm -hmm. If you find stuff, it's going to be people playing properly. So what happens when you when you need someone <laughs> that is playing badly, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and fun. also it's very hard for for people, for example, for people that can really sing really good. Mm -hmm. If they have to sing badly for a scene, um, I've I've heard that many times from people that it's really hard for them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if you're a trained singer, you can recognize those traits because you can see them like struggling to be bad, mm -hmm. and sometimes like missing a note that's really like for a beginner it's really hard but they don't realize it's hard anymore because it's second nature mm. so um the authentic thing is also always i mean it's it, i guess it's only for the nerds but um you will always have someone who knows more about a topic than you do mm. um i recently had this this very great little video i will also link that in the show notes about this one specific nighttime sound and it's essentially it's a bird call from a bird that is in a specific area and bird people are freaking out about it because they hear, hear it in every movie. They hear it in like a fantasy movie at night somewhere and they say like, ah, it's that bird again. And it's it's not right. It's totally not the right time. It's not the right area, not the right climate. It's totally wrong. Um, but it's like the Wilhelm scream of, of bird sounds. <laughs> so really fun. And um, yeah, those, those kinds of things. I think you will always have those kinds of things in there that don't really match. But um, essentially, if you have the chance to get the real thing for something like that. Um, I I personally feel really like kind of even obligated to do that, mm -hmm. to not just use something um, if I can do it, of course. I mean, you, you can spend like thousands of dollars to getting something just because it's the real thing. But yeah, if you, just like you said, like if you have a, a drum kit for yourself and can play that and can do that, 
that's that's a great opportunity to create this specific thing. Yeah, I mean, and luckily for that crowdsource, I'm a terrible drummer, so I, I didn't even have to pretend, right? It was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just meant to be. Yeah, meant to be. Yeah, and um, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely agree with you. Like, uh, good source is is the way to go. Like with with just anything. Mm-hmm. For yeah, for me, that's that's just the way. Like, as soon as you start trying to like tamper with things to just try and make it sound the way you want to, you're probably gonna lose something. Um, yeah, yeah. So. You can only use it for special occasions when it's meant to be, mm-hmm. like very science fiction stuff, magic stuff, where you want to warp something. But even then, you need some kind of real thing underneath to make it really, yeah, to make people really feel something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, maybe on also on that note, because we're talking about the real thing and not the real thing, <laughs> um, what's your stance on on the future of AI and sound recording in general? Hmm. Um. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of AI. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are against it. Big topic. Um, I think it's going to be great. I mean, I think it's gonna. It, I think it's going to be less scary than people think. In like, it's not going to really affect us how we think it will probably affect us, and it will probably just make the more boring parts of our job be, you know, be faster and 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 like be able to just cut straight to being creative and, and having fun. Hopefully, yeah. So I remember like using FabFilter's Pro Q3, right? To to like find frequencies that were annoying. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, you can go, you can you can kind of start sweeping for frequencies or you can just let FabFilter find something for you, right? So like, I can already see some people yelling at me, but I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of used that before. <laughs> so, and I mean, that's kind of like yeah. AI, right? It's like using a tool yeah. Yeah, to yeah. figure yeah. out something for me. And like, I mean, sure. I, I mean, it, it works for me. So, um, I'm kind of excited about it. Like I'm, I, I'm not very, I'm not worried that I'll, you know, that AI is going to steal my job <laughs> or anything like that. Um, I think the possibilities are crazy. I think like all the stuff in the music industry with, you know, like, what was it? It was like someone posted some like Drake songs or something. And like, you know, the whole industry is going crazy about that. Like, I feel like, I feel like it will lead to some interesting times. <laughs> that would be my, <laughs> and like, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm up for the ride and seeing, seeing how that turns out. Yeah, absolutely. The same for me. I'm also, I mean, I have a background in programming. I've been a full-time programmer for more than 12 years now. And mm-hmm. nice. so, I, yeah, I have that kind of approach of, oh, new technology, I want to try it. So that's also my my take on it. I'm, I'm also, I see there is danger for jobs, but I think it's the same danger than with everything. I mean, when the cars came, the people that sold horse carriages had a problem and had to change. Mm-hmm. And I think the same same goes for this. I, I see also, just like you, I see AI as a good tool. And yeah, as you said, if I can have a like an even better version of FabFilter, like an AI-powered cleanup thing that can clean up my recordings for me, mm-hmm. um, very specifically, um, pff, that would be amazing because it's a lot of manual labor. If someone who's really skilled at it does something, it sounds great, but it's a lot, a lot of manual labor. And I don't think it's that fun i mean Mm -hmm. maybe for the first couple of times but doing that all over again every time oh yeah that's that's the thing i also want to eliminate and and i also think collaborating with ai uh, in a way of using it as a tool or using it as a like um, hopefully if it gets 
more and more sophisticated, using it as something to ping pong ideas off, mm -hmm. to see what they can come up with in their algorithm and see what you can then make out of that. I think that's that's also the way to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's also something. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen like the current state of AI voice um, creations or. Um, essentially voice clonings, which is interesting to me, where you record a lot of your voice and then you essentially have a model of your voice and can type in whatever you, mm -hmm. you, you want and it says your, your voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's starting to get to the point where it's interesting because um, essentially with Skyman, which is also interesting, people now keep commenting, yeah, don't hire all those voice actors. Uh, there's a lot of line street coaches use AI. Um, of course, they have no idea, uh, in my opinion, I mean, it, it sounds harsh, but in my opinion, they have no idea because it doesn't sound real yet. It's not there yeah, yet, yeah, agreed. but it's getting very close. And I've had like clips, um, there was a post on Airwiggles, and I'm going to link it from another um, person, also named Ben, um, who did a test with recording a sentence, training an algorithm of just 10 minutes of his voice, and then recording the same sentence with the AI. Mm -hmm. And people were pretty much 50-50 splits on which one was the real one, which one was the fake one. So... Yeah, that's a nice test. Yeah, that's a cool, cool idea. Yeah, it's a great test. That's the only test you can really do. Like, really, the blind A-B test. And um, But yeah, it was a very simple sentence. And with voice acting, you have all these inflections. You have maybe anger. You have those pauses that have to be just right. And even, even a talented voice actor sometimes needs a couple of takes to get a really complicated line, really just how it has to sound. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's still a, a, a time there, but... Yeah. Yeah. What I've also heard from other people is that they are using AI voices as stand-ins in their in their video games because you have like all the voices in there and you can test the game like fully voiced <laughs> air quotes mm -hmm. um, and can change anything around when it's not yeah when it when it's not working for pacing or for for sound and then when you're really done you pay the voice actors for the final lines and you have the project is already so to say it's finished and you have the artistic expression and you don't have that problem that ah, oh, shit, there are the voice line changes. We have to hire that voice actor again for doing redoing lines or the subtitles don't match or something like that. So mm -hmm. I think it, it will lead to better quality in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the use of it that way. Like, I, I, I think it's... I think, like, the people benefiting, benefiting from that are going to be, you know, people that that maybe just can't afford some very talented voice actors, right? So I feel like as long as they're probably swapping them later on and, and if that's going to lead to a better result, then, then I don't see a problem. But I feel like, you know, there's just so many talented voice actors out there. You know, you've got, you've just got like names that people recognize. You've got people like Jack Black, mm -hmm. Hugh Jackman, you know, like all of those kind of people add their <laughs> specific spice to, to it, right? So like people want that. Yeah. Like people, I think people are always going to want that. And I think, you know, getting the real... The real guy is going to give you better results. Um, so, yeah, everything that I tried, I, I think I tried something called Eleven Labs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still wasn't convinced. Like, may, maybe for, like, narrating a YouTube video or something like that, but I can't see it being used professionally right now. Um, and then I, I did see something that was crazy that was... Um, I think it was, like, automatically replacing lips in animation mm, nice. to sync up to the lines in different languages right so you could get like yeah. the dub to work to actually match the the recorded lines that's amazing yeah uh, and they were just doing both of it with ai right it was both the voice and the the new lip sync mm. um i mean stuff like that would be insane but um 
I think, yeah, time time will tell. Yeah, I mean that is that is really great to hear. I mean, especially the lip sync, I can I can see, um, of course, replacing a lot of manual labor that that doesn't make sense because nobody is doing that in the video game world right right, mm -hmm. right now. Um, like doing different lip syncs. Um, maybe some some people have like technology for having lips animated to sound, but that doesn't work quite well, um, at least in my experience, what I've seen so far. But that would be amazing if that worked great. And also like having like an instant translation, mm -hmm. even if it's not a perfect one, but having like the possibility as an indie studio to say, okay, we can also like have our game released in different languages by using AI with a very little amount of money. Mm -hmm. So everyone can enjoy it. That is something that is really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, we would have to see... Um, Essentially, just like with all the translations, how good it is, because especially for art, <laughs> I would just say like poems or, or books. Um, I've read some books where I read the English version and the German version to see where they differ and how they feel. And you can really see if or really feel if it's uh, a translator that is really into that stuff and had a lot of time and made the effort because it, it feels the same. It has the same humor. It has the same pacing and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And you can see where it's like... a I would call it like a cheap translation where, yeah, some, some stuff gets lost. And um, yeah, that will be interesting to see how, how much of an influence this has because, um, yeah, I see it right now, for example, with, with a very simple example is The Simpsons. The Simpsons uh, in Germany, for example, has like probably 80% of the humor of the English ones because you have those 20% where it's either a very specific American thing that you can't translate so no one understands. And they either add in a, like a cheap gag or nothing at mm -hmm. all, or they have this saying that doesn't work if you translate it because, um, for example, there's the, the, the scene in the, in the movie, uh, in the Simpsons movie, where Homer is stuck between a rock and a hard place <laughs> and they're swinging back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like this visual and instantly you have this subtext as an American, ah, between a rock and a hard place. But for Germans, it's just a cheap... He's getting bumped around between two hard things and getting hurt thing. And it doesn't work at all. And it's the same thing. It has no dialogue at all, but it, it's the cultural implication. So um, that will be interesting to see what kind of strange things come out of there. Because, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to have those kind of, kind of feelings. If you have like a, like a Japanese game or something, you have maybe English subtitles. You don't know how well they are translated. And then you don't know exactly if that's the story they want to tell, but it's, yeah, it has some special flavor. So that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> well, it would definitely be interesting times. Yeah, man, that was a, lo a long sermon for me. Sorry, <laughs> I got off on a tangent there. Mm, yeah, no problem. It was, everything's <laughs> great. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think um, I don't have any more topics in mind right now, but the only thing I always um, would like to ask is, do you have anything you want to promote, anything you want to shout out? Please feel free to do so. Hmm. I'd say um, just wanted to give a shout out to my team at Jumpship, uh, my audio director, Matteo, um, the audio programmer that worked with us, uh, Jay, Jay Steen and Matteo Sircone. Um, and the rest of the team that worked with me while I was there on Somerville. So that was Bonnie Arm, Lewis James, Addy Kelsch. All of those guys are outstanding. Um, and I'm just like super thankful that they gave me a chance to work on that game um, because it was a great time. <laughs> so uh, my shout out would be to anyone that, um, that enjoyed uh, 
our game like thank you for enjoying it like uh anyone that actually liked it um i remember seeing we had quite a lot of um nice comments about the audio like it's like just thank you to all those people it was it made everything um more enjoyable and i'm glad that people liked it that's awesome that's a nice shout out thank you <laughs> I have that game on my list as well. <laughs> yeah. I have to get around to playing it sometime. Yeah, I hope you do. Let me know what you think once you play it. Absolutely, I will. It's it's research for me. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, yeah, again, thanks for taking the time on being on the show. And uh, yeah, have a nice night, mate. All right, you too, man. Thanks for having me. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko-fi.com slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.